Greetings, future fossils. Welcome to episode 158 of the podcast that explores our place in time. I need to apologize to regular listeners for the insane delay I have had to take in getting this episode out. A number of factors converged on this lateness, including both the really positive, exciting things like my family and I moving into a new home, as well as some really challenging, difficult things like some of the worst experiences I've ever had as a social media manager just totally wrecking me and making it hard to devote time to this show. But I'm really glad that we get back in the saddle with such a fun and interesting conversation with two of my favorite podcasting friends, the T-Fairy and Ramin Nazer, both who've been on the show before. T-Fairy for episode 100, Ramin for episode 120. I'll link to those both in the show notes. This conversation, while not a true and a formal sequel, does build on and reference those. And uh, for the deepest possible enjoyment, I suggest listening to those at some point if you haven't already. But I don't think it's necessary homework reading before you dive into this one. That said, this is sort of a tour of our favorite topics. We discuss the virtualization of live events, the science fiction of Charles Strauss and Hanno Rajanimi, the stratification of class according to who can afford to be somewhere in person, my writing on augmented reality and telepresence, the perverse incentives of social media as an outrage generator and surveillance capitalism pit trap. That one was a little prescient. And then how we might be able to redesign the social web so that it doesn't drive us all even more insane. We talk about the world being transformed into an unending series of limnoid events. And of course, there's a ton of other stuff. We, you know, we get into the weird fan theories about the Flintstones and the Jetsons, the Bell Riots in Star Trek DS9, simulation theory. This is really just a totally heady, ridiculous kind of stone share futurist philosophy conversation. I think almost any fan of this show will savor. But before we get into this one, I want to thank absolutely everybody who has been supporting Future Fossils on Patreon because if the occasional two-week lapse in publishing of this show is not a symptom of the difficulty in maintaining Future Fossils at the level of quality where I want to keep it, then perhaps just letting you know that I've been deep in contemplation about what other gigs I can quit in order to maintain sufficient free time to keep my implicit promise to you, the listener, and continue to put out the best possible conversations that I can. This is no easy task. I think this episode probably took 10 to 15 hours of audio editing. Although fans have said otherwise in the past, I really have a hard time reneging on my commitment to giving you the best and most cleanly edited episodes that I can. So that said, thanks everybody who has been supporting this show, helping me prioritize time for it, including new patrons Daryl Edwards, Shannon and Andre Silva, and Grant Turner. I thank you all, and I thank everyone else who, even if you don't have the money to chip in, has been subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show. I have a number of thank you gifts I want to stream out over the holidays 
to all of you. But for now, the first one in this digital advent calendar is all of the recordings of the Future Fossils book club to date are now free on Patreon instead of behind the paywall. So if you want more listening over the holidays, then you can't go wrong with our small group conversations on the science fiction of Peter Watts, Cixian Liu, Octavia Butler, Diana Reed Slattery, and Jeff Vandermeer. If you have the resources, if you care about this show, please, please seriously consider supporting me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Garfield. Thanks for indulging that commercial. During my non-consensual hiatus from this show, the Future Fossils Discord server has also stayed very active, as has the Facebook group. And if you're interested in forging, forging a sincere and wonderful online community during this unrelenting marathon of social distancing and holiday loneliness, then drop me a line, futurefossilspodcast at gmail.com, and I will hook you up with a Discord server invite. One last little note is that we yacked on in this recording until we ran out of recording time with the company I use to capture these conversations. So the conversation stops rather abruptly. Do not attempt to adjust your television set. But given that we don't have a proper dessert for this episode, I hope it just primes you for the next one. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Happy holidays. More soon. I love you. Let's get this going. So I had to I had to like run a transaction before I could get on. <laughs> How much but is it? Anyway. Like nine ninety five? Five bucks an hour. An hour? Fuck you. Yeah. Not you, the no. system. I'm gonna move all the calls for the rest of the month after this one to something else. Anyway. How you guys doing? I mean, this is the best year ever, right? I'm doing fantastic. Mental health A plus, World Health LA plus. One of the great things about this year is how excellent California internet coverage has been. <laughs> I would say, you know, their their upload speeds are just slaying it. I can't believe we still have internet. It's like a miracle every day that even text shows up. <laughs> Seriously, I was thinking about, you know, there's like back when I was thinking about festivals as dry runs for uh, like urban collapse at Oregon Eclipse in 2017, there was fire chat. There was like the Bluetooth uh, mesh network app that was supposed to be like a messaging app for, for uh, off-grid sp- locations. And everybody at the festival was running it and it didn't work on a single device. <laughs> like nobody was getting it to work. And I was just like, wow, wow. If this were to really happen, like, I'm glad we, I'm glad we gave it a few dry runs first. Cause this yeah. is crap. <laughs> yeah. We're still definitely figuring it out. Um, did you attend, I mean, I want to save some of this for the recording, but maybe we can just ask it again, but did you attend the virtual Burning Man? I did not. Um, but normally I you would... go a lot, don't you? I haven't been in a few years, but 
I would have, I wanted to go. I wanted to check it out. I had a lot of friends that were involved in one way or another. And, um, and I just, I was so busy with just real life stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're, I put you're a real person. <laughs> yeah, I hate to put it that way because I, I'm with like Nathan Jurgensen and a bunch of other people on, um, you know, they're not being a division really between the real and the virtual in many important ways. Hey! Hey! Okay, you're still choppy, but let's see if we can, uh, let's iron out those chops. I just got to say for the record, I'm going to use, I'm going to take a screenshot of this. The T-Fairy's randomly assigned handle from Squadcast is Loyal Spokesperson. Oh, that's not a joke from her? More accurate. I thought that was a joke that she put in. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that it shows up. It'll be like squeaky wheel or, <laughs> you know. But that's loyal spokesperson's good. For sure. Yeah. Although I would say, T-Fairy, you're getting sat on. You're getting squashed by the technology gods right now. Do I sound like robot? Yeah. What is to be done? Well, So, I, I mean, that's to my point, right, is that, like, the... It was working great before you came. Me and Raman, he was saying how good I sounded. That's the truth. Oh, yeah, well, it was crazy. It was so crazy that she actually was here, and then it can't handle three of us, I guess. Um, but oh, you're you're back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah say a long mm-hmm. sentence. Let's see how long it lets you talk. It's the longest word you'll ever say. And you hear me talking over yeah, there. Yeah, so that works. For the moment, for the moment, it ain't it ain't good, but it is what it is. I can also, like I said, I'm I can turn on my audible, so I'll be recording it on my side for whatever that's worth. That works. Um, So we were just talking about, um, you know, we I I talked about this with Caveat and Naomi and Raven a couple episodes ago about what is and is not different when you try to do something like Burning Man online. But you were actually there. Yeah. Why do you guys look like maps and I just look like a person? Maybe if I turn off my video, I'll have better sound. So like that? Yeah. All right. So I'm curious. I'm curious. I think for me, it's curious. There's there's your street. Yeah. It shows shows where you are instead. Okay. I'm running a VPN, so I don't know what it's going to show me. Let's see. Noga Park, California. Where where does it think I am? I should look somewhere busier because, like, you guys look like you're in the city, and I'm right in the middle of the fucking valley in L.A. I am. Is my, my VPN is telling me to be? Or I should you turn gotta, off my video. You turn and then your it'll camera work. off, and then it'll show you your your town. Hide cam. So here we are dancing in the. There you are. Yeah, I think I'm in the most dense place. No, we're kind of tied. Dude, I'm in the fucking valley. You just can't see it. It's not showing it. <laughs> yeah. So so T Fury, how was Virtual Burning Man for you? I know that you you might consider it a botched upload. And uh, Here's the thing. I, don't know. I think it was better than not having it. I was proud of my camp's presence, Prometheatrics. You know, my camp of 20 years had a full scale model of its camp you could get in the box that's like our ride. And we had the dampling and a TV cool. or scaffolding and a stage. And you could pick up flow toys and spin them on our stage. And, and you know, it was there. Um, it was a daytime there. So you had to go through a, like, a little portal that looks like the Tesseract on the night flyer, and then you end up in daytime at Prometheatrics. But, um, I, you know, it, it obviously, it, it, it's it's not the experience of communitas and catharsis that 
is what Burning Man it doesn't generate the synchronicity. You don't fall asleep and wake up in it again and fall asleep and wake up in it again and it's still fucking happening. You know, it's like your house is around you. You know, it, it's it, there's no way that it could be like that, right? I I went and sat in the temple. I didn't cry when it burned. You know, it was pretty. But I've had, I've had friends that I've lost this year, you know, really, and I need to cry into the dust. This is, this would have been my 22nd year. So it's my entire adult life, and it's the way that I sort of orient my ritual. Calendar, um, it was cute, but I I did have a good Thursday night ritual uh, because I always go out to the trash fence on Thursday night, Friday morning after my – that's the night I do a big trip. Pardon my ignorance, but what is what is that trash fence? All right, so it's like, well, the trash fence is like if you just keep going out on the playa past the art, past whatever. There's like this orange fence that's like keeps shit from blowing out into the rest of the world if any trash were to blow up against it, right? It's just that kind of orange fencing that you see around construction sites or whatever. But there's okay. like miles of it, right? Because it's it's the outer perimeter, it's the edge of the world, and so uh, you know, and there's art all the way out there. Um, some people just go set shit up by the trash fence, but like there's big stretches of it that are like a football field away from anybody where you could just sit by yourself by the fence. Wouldn't that be the ultimate art or not really, but like kind of a, a statement to make the farthest out piece that probably no one will go see. Oh. Maybe one person will see it, but you spent weeks on it. No, no. The, one of the best freaking things I've ever seen in my life, the best piece of art in 2015 was the last outpost. You could throw a Frisbee to the trash fence from it. And it was like outpost number seven looking out across the playa. And it was like a zombie apocalypse haunted house where 20 people had spent six months on this. All the sample jars were labeled. Like there was everybody's bed had, you know, stuff under it and diaries and the diaries all matched and they had personalities and there was stuffed animals and pictures on the wall and stuff that was crossed out and like inside jokes. And you'd hear like somebody laughing or somebody crying, Some like, you know, no. Like, it was all in the pipes. You couldn't hear where it was coming from, and it would stop. And, like, every 20 minutes, the alarm would go off. And, you know, you throw the shit up. <laughs> it was like a, a shovel and a, you know, the, you could see a spot where a gun used to be. And, like, you know, there were signs that were like, you know, stay together, stay low, stay safe, stay alive, right? And there was, like, a cello and a little porch swing with, like, initials carved into it and this brave little strip of like flickering Christmas lights made out of colored shotgun shells, you know, hanging from the top of the thing in their little flag. And you felt the fucking brave little firefly crew that went down in a fucking blaze of glory there. And I cried for them. I blew my team. <laughs> it was amazing narrative, simple, elegant, beautiful, psychedelic, high tech, low tech, interactive site, specific narrative art. <laughs> it was the best. I, I, I found, I found them and asked who I had to give a blowjob to, to, freaking get a patch from there <laughs> oh no it was hot no it was no it was, this, it was a super hot asian chick who i actually did get to make out with but like it, <laughs> nice i'm high-fiving you yeah, yeah i want yeah. in 2021 i want that to be ar <laughs> i want it i want you to actually be able to play a castle defense oh, yeah, yeah yeah no i think there's gonna right. be i mean one thing that's coming out of this is that there will always be a virtual burning man i think on top of burning man so that people who can't attend and it will reflect some things that are really there and there'll probably be live broadcasts in and out both ways and there'll be an AR element. I, I think all of that's been advanced. You know, if you can't leave Finland or your teaching job or something, there'll be some way to, I don't think that they'll just stop doing that, which is cool. Well, that's always like, it's an extension of what we've talked about in previous conversations 
this is a good way I've been musing on what we might discuss in this episode that like ties current events into the crazy sci-fi stuff that we love to talk about, but in a way that is, um, <laughs> I did finally finish the Colorado, by the way. Oh, good. Okay, cool. Well, that's actually a perfect sort of, so in that, and actually there's another word for it in, uh, the quantum thief and Hanu Rajanimi's other books about Jean Le Flambeur, like really brilliant post-human transhuman, like heist novel. Okay. And he, he uses the Russian word goggles to describe the dead souls, which are the, the uploads that can't afford to print bodies. Oh, you know? right. right. <laughs> but are they like diaspering out? Like they have like virtual bodies for themselves or are they just like, well, they sort of, but like, yeah, so it just, it depends. There's like all sorts, it's a very richly imagined world, but like, you know, just the thought that like, as soon as we were able to start experiencing events remotely, it, actually it starts with oral storytelling, right? Like you had to be there. It's, you know, the stuff of legends and, and like heroes right. and you were there for that. And that's what makes you special. Right. So like, and it's the same thing going on now with like, if you want to watch the Royal Wedding. Oh, right, right. Know. The live boxing match gets, you have to pay for it or whatever. You know, you were there. Right, right. And so like, I remember in 2009 for H Plus Magazine, I was thinking about what exactly what you're talking about, which is where like, yeah, there's like every event sort of becomes that, but it's more than one camera. And so like, well, it's like, I mean, when you can see it out of your eyes, right? Like I said, the Google Glass is what it was, but when they just look like mirror shades, so you don't see your eyeballs bouncing around. And when it's your point of view, right? The difference between what you see when you're holding out your phone and seeing it through your eyes psychologically is really, really different. And whoever gets on top yeah. of being the switching station, you know, the Twitter or the Instagram or whatever for switching between people's eyeball point of view is Right. Going to be able to sell out to billions for Facebook in like three years or whatever. But like also we'll have, you know, almost brought that telepathy. Here we are at this bombing in Afghanistan. Oh, here we are from the other guy's side. Oh, here we are. It's an extreme sports thing. Here's some hot, sexy, you know, all the things <laughs> for. And that's where we stop. <laughs> for the record, I was the only one out of over 2,000 beta testers for Google Glass that admitted to wearing it in the sack. <laughs> okay. Wait, tell us more that. about that. Let's let's unpack that. Is that I mean you're projecting? I would have gone with you just because you were wearing them. <laughs> isn't that isn't that so funny? I was just about to bring up Google Glass because I remember you had this profile <laughs> picture where you're wearing it, and it's like, how wrong were we about our projection of where we'd be in ten years? We thought we'd be living in an AR virtual world, and we're still like in smartphone uh, smartphone kind of. The, the new Oculus one is coming. It's too bad it's fucking Facebook, but it looks good. It's like a backpack. And it looks like you could run around with it. And like, I hate it already. But it really looks good. It looks like it's going to be cool. The quest it's, is really cool for what it's it is. Not bringing us the like, magic leap fantasy of the little elephant in your hand. That still is not materialized. Like, well, it all it, went backwards, right? I think trying to lead hardware first was like a breach birth. Because like a lot of the cool stuff that was that they were working on that they had in mind for Google Glass ended up being stuff that became deployed like in a really boring way on smartphones. Like... Google is trying to get people to give a shit about Google Lens. Google Lens is like one of the coolest things you can do with a phone. Yeah, but people are yet... using it as a novelty. Like, look, they can make a little dinosaur on my desk or whatever, right? Well, just like being able to look at something and then like pull up its Wikipedia entry mm. is one of the most crucial augmentations I can imagine. And yet, because it's in your pocket and it's sort of like a hidden function of the camera and only for some people's cameras. And it just like nobody, I don't know anybody that gets it. Because there's so much friction. You know, like dystopian video of the girl who like who starts fritzing in the grocery store or whatever, and like, <laughs> like you get all these weird pop-up <laughs> ads, and you see somebody else's feed or whatever. 
are you saying it's just because of the friction aspect of it? Like the more steps it takes to actually get the thing to happen, like the less likely we're going to do it. I have to open up my phone. I have to. Well, it's like they needed it. They need the entire ecosystem of, of functions ready by the time they launch the hardware. And like right now, like Magic Leap was like, get a developer's kit. It's like, oh, fuck, man. Wait, after nine years, <laughs> like, I'll wait. After nine years, and you're like, well, well, Stevens is attached to it. People, there's people invested billions of dollars. It's going to be cool. The commercial look cool. But you never saw a whale jumping out of there. Like, that's not what happened yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I'm waiting for when it jumps out of the lake and like you get wet. But no, it splashes you well, I don't know if I'm getting wet, but like. Haptic feedback bodysuit. Exactly. We're like, if we don't die real soon, we'll see what we thought it was going to look like, you know. <laughs> All right. Now, here's my question for you so that this conversation is appropriately dark. Okay. For, you know, like I'm trying to keep with the times. So, like, um, this is going to be released around the same time I released the conversation I had with Michael Dowd, who, like, just goes around to church congregations trying to sell them on the science of climate disaster. Oh, my God. And just like, now we're, it's too late, you know, basically kiss your ass goodbye here's how you need to like stoically, you know, prepare yourself for the big methane bloom and like the billions of climate refugees. Let's try to fix it in time. He's just saying the end times have come. Right. So like, don't bother having any more children. In keeping with conversations like the one I had with Michael Dowd. Wow. Who I had with him on his show. I think we're going to have to provide some counterpoint to that, but I'll get dark with you. Well, good. This is what I'm tossing. (laughs) How is it not going to be ready player one? How is this technology not, gonna show up at the same time that we're just living in like giant trailer parks i mean if we're living in like giant trailer parks then i want to fucking have it i don't think it's going to be causal because of living in the trailer parks like it we, we may have this kind of decay in which case please give me virtual reality I'm, I'm afraid it might create like a player class and a watcher class where there's a bunch of people living through the eyes of you know extreme sports heroes and porn stars and stuff and like a lot of people who and that's, do a that's lot not of a value judgment either though Right? Or is that really different from the way that it already is? Like, you know, we've already really, we've we've split it into like producers, consumers, and prosumers already. <laughs> right, but know? everybody could potentially be, you know, you know, they just never have any views or whatever, right? But like, they could if they suddenly got interesting, right? Or- well, it's like, what is it? What ten percent of people produce ninety percent of this content on social media? Or some balls number like that. Is that part of the whole Pareto principle thing? Or that's 80-20, right? It's like that, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it would be a sort of a similar, like, power law distribution. Well, and then Levin's rule is 99% of everything is crap. So, like, so, <laughs> so like. There's, like, a 1% of meaning makers yeah, yeah, online yeah. is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's mostly uh, cat follies and titties. It and used kitties. to be. Titties and kitties and, like. I miss the cat. What about you, Ramin? What do you think? Like, how do we how do we have our cake and eat it too here? Oh, this is above my pay grade, but let's see. I want your solar punk. I mean, social media with social media. You mean? I mean, with anything. Like, how are we going to get the kind of world where we can share each other's experiences in the way that you're talking, without it being just like? Well, we got to start off better than we did with Facebook and social media in general. We got to suck it up and pay five bucks for your fucking social network, and then they can't. But someone's got to make that happen, right? Because all three of us are not going to make it happen. No, there's- graduate students phd projects have made them they just have to have people jump over to them and it's going to take the kitties like being like i don't want to be but on that groundswell problem right right but How when all the high get on to a new thing right i mean it's, it's not a perpetual motion machine it's not like zero point energy this is 
It shouldn't be physically impossible to create a free social network. No, we thought MySpace and Friendster was going to be the thing, you know, forever. Like, the, it's, it's not impossible. It exists. In fact, I know somebody who did a PhD project of making one that's encrypted on both ends and they can't sell you out to the man or the advertising weasels. You see what you want to see. Like, it's not collecting your data. But it's just, it's, it's a matter of getting it out there for sudden wide ad- adaptation because Facebook has the momentum. It's where everybody is. So the gravity does the thing, right? And so, like, either the next time they get caught doing something really egregious, like, you know, the Cambridge Analytica thing or when people figure it out, when they actually study this period in history, like, what what they teach in school, assuming we make it to the future and we're teaching about this part of the past, like, they're going to say, so this is when the Internet suddenly came on like gangbusters. And they it was brand new, and they made all of the beginner's mistakes, right? So... They had a social network, like their nascent social network, and it was run by advertising. So, of course, they sold us out to highest bidder to the man, the advertising weasels, the Cambridge Analytica, the Russian tax, the whoever, right? And they weren't even trying to be able – I sat in the lap of the guy who invented the self-playing video for Facebook. Okay? He would – he had quit – no, he had quit Facebook – a while ago, I was at a party at his house. He offered me some ketamine, and the fairy was like, the tree fairy does not take drugs from the inventor of the self-playing video. <laughs> and we got into this whole discussion of how these things came to be. And, I mean, obviously, it's pretty well understood now. Like, they weren't rubbing their hands together to sell us out. It's just that the trick was to do whatever it takes to keep us on the site the longest, right? And it turns out that yeah. what keeps us on the site the longest is, you know, being alternately titillated and, and outraged the kind of slot machine dynamics of intermittent reward where, ooh, ooh I, I got a like and then I didn't. And so it turned our social network into a cognitive bias amplifier. But that's not what they were trying to do. There's people who are happy to exploit it, but that wasn't the plan, right? And Jaron Lanier, all these people who were originally like the tech optimists about this and were like, yeah, everything could be free. They're all coming out and saying, no, no, we're sorry, we're wrong. Just suck it up and pay five bucks. They won't be bazillionaires, but that'll keep the servers running and their leaders, you know, in nice houses with hot tubs or whatever. And there'll be no perverse incentive to keep us on the site the longest, which is what's killing us. The tricky thing is how do you motivate people to participate now because we're all habituated. Like, you know, Instagram tried to hide likes for, you know, a little while. They were experimenting with that. It went away, right? I... That's hilarious. Yeah, but what happened to that? They're still here. I can see all the likes. I kind exactly. of liked it in theory. Like, I, I liked it. You can see your likes, but you can't see how many other people have already liked something. So, Not to sound like some uh, old boomer, whatever person that hates participation trophies, but I, I didn't like it in the, the hiding the data part. I want more data. Like, I, I wish they would give more instead of take more data away, if that makes sense. Right. Totally. Well, I think, like, if it's going to work, it has to be, like, it does make sense to hide that stuff, but to make it visible at request. Yeah, that's right. that's good. Right. Yeah, like like you do want to be able to access it, but you don't want it driving your interaction on the platform at the like superficial level of it, right? Right. No. Yeah. You know, like we can't imagine being like junior high girls right now or whatever, but they're killing themselves. Like they're cutting themselves worse than they ever did just by this, you know. It never Don't they stopped. also decide where where the attention goes? Like because it would have just been MySpace the whole time, but these well, when I was kid, it was like, platforms. Oh, you came home from school, you got a break for like nine hours until you had to go back there. Like there's never a break; it's going on all day, all night. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, suicide's oh, got to be up. I haven't seen the numbers, but no, I can't imagine it would go down. Seriously, because the social situation never stops, right? Yeah. And there's so many different angles at which you can be attacked. And uh... you could go away for the summer and come back, you know, like this is not what's happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I wanted to bring up, uh, I don't think it's a stretch, but it's just been on my mind uh, as we've been talking, but I wanted to bring up liminality and in particular this thing that Michael posted and it's this meme. Do you remember what you posted? People that aren't used to liminality and then there's a butterfly labeled 2020 coming towards the person and they're like, is this the new normal? Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and lemon liminality and like limnoid events and isn't burning man the ultimate limnoid event so you've got like halloween you've got santa day uh burning man limnoid event you know the term where limnoid is a cool term i mean we better get used to it because ain't gonna be nothing but limnoid <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> all limnoid events <laughs> from here and, on in they're gonna get thicker like it's... so every every year for one day we go back to normal like jobs and roles and stuff and then every other day it's all like it's anyone's game i've been thinking a lot about how trauma and there's like two philosophies about earth history that have been at odds with each other for centuries. One is gradualism and one is catastrophism, right? The, the idea that all of this rock was laid down by a giant flood versus like it was carried in incrementally by a river. And of course, those are multiple timescales and it really depends on how you're looking at things. But I've been starting to think about that in terms of like there's two different kinds of people. There's the kind of people that expect things to change gradually because that's what they've been conditioned to in their lives. Well, that's just what mammals are like programmed to. We we who read and think about this and look at exponential curves are kind of like, okay, but you know, we actually are disappointed that it hasn't changed faster since 2020. I mean, 2012, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, that was that's exactly it. Is that I'm realizing now. Mammals are programmed to expect incremental change. Right, right. But I'm like, I'm realizing now that like there are, I think there are people who have lived through sort of more discontinuous lives you know made major moves lost family members i was just reflecting on how i think a lot of my own apocalypticism and sort of the eagerness i experienced leading up to 2012 and the weird sort of revival of this like oh good things are like going crazy right now like there's a part of me that it, that actually really i remember a train derailed in my town when i was in high school i was heartbroken over the loss of my first love and I was yanked out of the depression by the massive derailing of a coal train like that on main street in Parkville, Missouri. There's just something about living in a time like this. Like, even if it's difficult that it feels more like, Oh, like, well, look, you know, the, if you want to tune into it, there's always a dumpster fire somewhere. If there, if it was peaceful locally, you could watch what's going on in Rwanda, but like it, you know, this right. has definitely come to our hometown. There's no place that's like decoupled from what is going on as far as I can tell. So are you saying it, it made you feel good because it kind of forced you into the present moment instead of getting caught up in your own narrative? Yeah, well, like that, it's, it's a complicated thing. But I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that, like, I think, T-Ferry, you and I remain presumably you as well. Sure. Probably most people listening have a certain affinity for the rapids you can't life. get strange enough for me oh right. no, like as I our said, friend terrence like would strange. say i like it surreal i don't like it grotesque though like i you know i feel like the writers in this season have just gone a little bit like i don't know where you're going with this you know i'm waiting for the like, third act big surprise not the like ginsburg surprise or the like the big surprise the ships show up like because the whole thing is such a parody of itself that like they we're gonna get everything but the ships 
right? It's like that's I, the joke. The big joke is like we get literally everything but UFOs. <laughs> it, it's, it's like you can't push this joke any further, right? Like it's already so much of a parody of itself. Have you heard the someone was breaking down how like comedy used to be vaudeville and then vaudeville became like kind of cheesy and then it was all about shock and then we kind of outgrew shock and now reality became the comedy. There's no like you can't shock people with what Marilyn Manson or or things like that anymore or South Park. It's all just it's exploded out into regular reality. So we're like in the next. I got to find out what happened. I'd rather, you know, if you're going to take the news annually, I'd rather get it from Colbert than the dudes on CNN or whatever, as far as or even NPR, like, you know, take a little dose of humor with the finding out what horrible thing happened today but the reality like <laughs> like the onion the onion became regular news like oh, before no, onion for it. people pass it around as actual stories and then people are like no 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 <laughs> but you can't yeah know. yeah yeah well, florida man you know i think it's more what you're saying right like the fact that we really are just laid bare to the tragicomic nature of the world now in a way that like jurassic parked us Right. Ooh, someone posted that on your wall too. I was just like yeah. looking through your feed recently, but someone said describe 2020 in a in a meme, and someone just posted the gif of "Welcome to Jurassic Park." I forget the old guy's name, but we I think it was John. Been, I don't yeah. know what you mean by Jurassic Park. We've definitely been made to see how broken the system is. Like even like a fifth grader can see that the system is broken. But like also, you well, know, the thing we thought we were cultivating. It has an almost false reality genre to it, though, too. It's like you're watching it kind of like a, you know, like a reality show of it because this can't be real. Like every day it's getting away with something that like, you know, Obama wore a tan suit or something like you just like, oh, it's so OK. You were working with the KGB and like, had it, 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 yeah, of course, it was, of, course it was. of course, you know, and then the next day it goes on to something else and you're like, wait, what? Oh, and yeah. Like, and we've gotten so desensitized to it that we can just get like any piece of crazy news and just be like, yep, okay, well. <laughs> Tell me what you think of this. I, I think that the variable deciding the election and the or the U.S. election, it's like things change so fast that the variable that's going to decide the election, it hasn't even happened yet. There's something else that's going to take place <laughs> that's going to shift it that we don't even know yet. Everybody's and got a lot this- of surprise in their pocket. Of course they fucking do, right? Like have had for months whether it's the p tape or the you know everybody's got something right there's no doubt that like they're waiting for the last two weeks yeah and i'm not even talking about some surprise thing i'm talking about this asymptotic novelty curve one where it just you know coronavirus police brutality riots wildfires like it's already over <laughs> trump gets coronavirus it's over now like he's he's oh, better God. like it we blinked and and it, like the I don't know, the feeling in the air shifts every day. It's pretty wild. Yeah, like I said, the, the writers are, are, are playing fast and loose here. It feels like that. In- <laughs> there should be an end-of-season climax like about to happen because it's built up about as far as it can go. Yeah. The thing that I've been thinking about like for weeks now, just endlessly watching videos and stuff about it, is how our whole collective sense-making apparatus is broken down. Like, How is it that half of the country... It's for this. It's so go Trump, like, sincerely. Like, they think it would be an existential threat if Biden got elected in the same way that, you know, we think the country literally can't take this again, right? And it's partly just the bubbles and being in different, you know, media environments, but, like, it's partly in-group affiliation. But we can't agree on basic ideas of reality. Like, what the fuck? How could, you know... (laughs) 
is this just as simple as like a cell splitting where at a certain point it has to kind of divide like that's just the way nature goes like you can't have a population all on the same page no this isn't like a dunbar's number situation you know that's a thing right that's like at 150 this i don't know that it's so big i think it's partly like i said the way that oh there's a helicopter flying over (laughs) you know we've been intentionally sort of pitted against each other but also just that our basic sense-making apparatus like What's going on with global warming? Is this a hoax or is this like an immediate catastrophe that it's already too late, right? Is People are saying, you know, is COVID set up as like some kind of a plan to trick us for political reasons or is it you know, <laughs> what it appears to be? Is it, you know, are they Democrats running pedophile rings out of Pizza Hut? We can't make sense out of basic questions. What's up with China? Are they our friends? Like, in order to figure out any of these things, you have to look through so many sources and like they're all biased, the media... Even the scientific institutions that they're researching from have perverse incentives to research things one way or another. So it's so freaking hard to tell what's going on right now that I'm more worried about anybody who thinks they really know. If they think they really know they're a conspiracy theorist, I know exactly what's going on. I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, like isn't the truth that there is no way of knowing exactly what's going on? There's There's too many. way of knowing. (laughs) Which direction we are flowing? I mean, but... I saw a uh, a really good talk the other day from Simon Dedeo of Carnegie Mellon. He was talking about how in all of these different domains, like science itself has always shown an aesthetic preference for answers that you could explain two different phenomena. He gave an, an example from optics of how different phenomena you can explain with the same mechanism. Well, that's that's your preference. We, we seek those out and like we favor those explanations that account for all of these different seemingly unrelated phenomena. And so, you know, his, his only point was conspiracy theorists, even, even ones for whom it leads them into a violent antisocial conclusion, can't be faulted for running a bad algorithm because everybody's running the same algorithm. We're all using different data sets. So they're leading us to different conclusions. They're leading us down to like, you know, everyone's got a, a, a different idea of what the simplest explanation is. Right, but like YouTube's mm. not helping. It leads you down to like, oh, you watch this video, watch this even more, like further down the rabbit hole video. You like that one, you know? And it's so it's tunneling people off into like, you know, crazy town. And so you know, we're not being assisted by our platforms, I think, in that regard. (laughs) (laughs) Are are they the next organism, maybe? Are we just so small that, like, their growth and their survival is just the next thing? Like, the same way that it's not about the single cell anymore. It's, like, about the corporation. It's about the company. If they manage to get rid of antitrust laws and we have, like, Google, Facebook, and Amazon all as one thing. The four horsemen. (laughs) They would be benevolent overlords in the sense that it would be an Orwellian utopia because they want to keep us basically happy and passive and watching shows and buying stuff. Like they don't get anything out of us killing each other. They get something out of rivalrous dynamics, which is keeping us on the site the longest, but they don't want us to actually die. They want us to have a decent economy so we can continue to buy shit. Like they <laughs> Matrix batteries. Yeah, they want the Matrix batteries to be churning out the whatever jewels or whatever it's called. So to whatever degree that whoever owns the data, you know, is actually turning the wheels, then, you know, I'm hopeful that it's the ones that want to keep us buying shit in a certain sense. 
Well, then in that case, don't we want Google to keep developing the Boston Dynamics Terminators? <laughs> if they're going to be our benevolent overlords that want to keep us, you know, embedded in there, like the gut flora that we are, don't they want to protect I, our asses? You know, I don't want anybody to get it first. I love the open AI idea of like having it come up as a groundswell and everybody gets it at the same time. But of course, the first time they got anything dangerous, that thing that like finished your sentences for you, they were like, actually... Talk to Microsoft. We can't, release, we can't release this. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, what do you fucking think was going to happen? Like, did you? Well, they gave. They, they sold exclusive rights to GPT-3 to Microsoft. They they sold GPT to Microsoft. Yeah. Oh, but I did. Yeah. And whatever. Elon Musk walked away from that a while ago. But like, <laughs> also, my boy is freaking talking shit about COVID. <laughs> the other shit on Twitter, I'm like, stop, 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 dude. You're so cool. <laughs> what you got to do, like? Do you like him as a, like, you can't help but love, or maybe this is just me, but I kind of love crazy people. Not that we should listen to everything they say, but like when someone has some wild, controversial take, I'm like, good for you. Stop embarrassing. Stop. But then it also makes you wonder about your own sense-making apparatus. Okay, here's this smart guy who's saying, this thing is really overblown. And you're like, is it? I mean, definitely people are dying, right? But when somebody really smart says it, it makes me think about it, right? Well, again, everybody is biasing the information that they're getting from the people around them against what is actually going on because you have to. You have to assume that the world you're experiencing is more or less like the rest of the world, right? So, like, whatever privileges you have, you have to actively work against the assumption that other people experience those same privileges. It doesn't matter what those privileges are. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a privilege to be ignorant, but it is because it's like thinking that you don't have to do. That's why it's ignorance is bliss. That's why it's a cliche. (laughs) Of course, it's a privilege. It's a privilege that I think is no longer afforded to me. It's too late, my friends. (laughs) There's a certain thing that's like you can't possibly know what's going on at the front lines in order to be a general, right? Like that's the ancient thing. The real problem is not, in some respects, that, like, Elon Musk is wrong about something so much as it is that we have created reward systems in the attention architecture of the noosphere that give people a platform. Like, the the early form of a reputation economy doesn't distinguish between expertise and non-expertise. It's merely a popularity contest. And so, like, you, there's no way yeah, but you for us to, to separate. If you're just totally wrong, if you're like, this is going to be gone by April and it's not, then you look like you were wrong about stuff when you're usually so right about stuff, right? You lose something. Well, yeah, but, like, you have to know that, right? Like, you have to know that somebody had the, made had made the wrong prediction, and there's no way to compress that into, like, a badge on somebody's profile. Yeah, we're working on it. We've got that Ministry of Truth coming, right? Like, isn't there the Ministry, like, Orwellian Ministry of Truth? What are the other ministries? And when you see uh, <laughs> fact-checking, and, I mean, I don't, I'm not complaining about fact-checking. Or... No, but fact-checking is something we do need to be very careful about, right? Yeah. Do you remember the oh, other yeah. ministries? I don't remember the yeah, name. But it was like that Ministry of Peace, Ministry of, you know, but they all really mean that. Well, like Daniel Schmattenberger. It's the opposite of the term, yeah. 
is working on a project. I'm sure other people are too, that, that like is going to try to have news with like, here is how we sense make this. Here's all of the opposing positions pieces. Here's the way that we synthesize this together. Here's what we thought was bullshit and why. Here's what paid for the study. And so it's this huge amount of effort that's going to have to go into every piece about it. You know, it's not just man on the street, but like, at least it's somebody who's trying to say, here's what we got. Here's the pieces that we got it from. Go look at some of those pieces, you know, if you disagree with it, write in the comments, we could, can, we could perceive it, we could update this if somebody says, actually, I was at that lab, you know, all right, let's see if this guy's believable mm-hmm. and just make an effort to have something that's transparent about how it came to its conclusions, mm. which I'm looking forward to seeing. He's a smart so guy. So end of privacy and full transparency might be the answer to no, putting no, no, together no, no. a... Maybe what you're saying, T-Fairy, is more like it's like a Wikipedia of fact-checking. Kind yeah, of well, no, it's transparency just in how they put these news stories together. Here's the, you know, here's what these guys on Fox said. Here's what these guys said. Here was the actual speech. Here's the actual research. Here's full you know, ingredient list on your right, product. And, and so this is how we've synthesized it. Maybe you'll synthesize it differently, right? Unless it becomes a matter of life and death, which it could, who's going to watch the news station with no spin? Right. Well, is there such a is there what's the closest right now? I I mean, other than small podcasts, small podcasts could be the best. I don't. The thing is, is that you journalism broke down. Their whole model broke down. They had a model of getting paid that like got broken by social media, right? So if they, now their model is to keep their fan base that keeps coming, checking their thing every day, which means they more or less have to agree with those people in a way that that was not how the news used to work. When did it stop, you think? In like late, or this past decade is when it really tipped over? So like, you know, there wasn't, when I was a kid, there was 310 to 13, there was three channels of news and they had to play to everybody. Like they had to play to the entire spectrum. And so then it nichified so that, like, we can get this audience, you can get that audience. You know, and keep them because they didn't even want to hear the other position. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here I go trying to oversimplify it again when it might not even make any sense. But you guys heard the whole thing of um, polarity is always a result of spin. Like, you don't get two opposite poles without something spinning very fast and thus creating the like whatever, that. the toroidal, the toroidal oh, effect. Yeah, so because we're spinning. Oh, that's good. I like that. It's spinning very fast. <laughs> thus, the polarities are being created. And it's kind of as simple as that. It does feel like a centrifuge. Uh, I'm sure there's counterexamples, mm-hmm. but that is really, really good. Polarity is the result of spin. Wait, wait what's your <laughs> counterexample? Well, I mean, just something that weirdly wrong about because, well, I guess it would be because of spin. Never mind. That's great. Yeah, it's a centrifuge. <laughs> or, hey, yeah. If you just out of curiosity, because I have a kind of a chip on my shoulder about this, somebody told me the word centrifugal was was jargony. Was like too long to include. It is. In general audience communication. Yeah. So no, just, fuck if, if anyone does not if, know this word. If they please, know wet ass pussy, they can me. learn centrifugal. Centrifugal <laughs> and centripetal force are slightly different, but they, that's the one that's centripetal force pulls us in and centrifugal force Centri- pulls us out. Centripetal and centrifugal. Yeah. Yeah. So we need, what we need is a politically centripetal yeah. actor. So mm. what is that? I mean, is, is that the point? I mean, the, the gravity that pulls us in. Is to get us back into one conversation where we can, yeah. we can we can sort of like at least debate over the content of a single news station rather than over the selection of one's news stations. 
What, what would it take to create that magnet? I love the idea of some kind of anchors. force. That, but it, like again, it's not going to be these super nerdy guys who have broken all of this stuff down because most people don't have the attention span for that, right? No, I mean naked news anchors. Naked news anchors. I'll show my titties to tell the truth. Like, absolutely. Let's do it. There is naked news, right? I mean, yeah, it's an Australian channel, right? No, but this is right. great. Like, no. it's 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 really no. well thought. It's like no stuff no. that's like it's gimmicky as fuck. Like, titties and kitties, and like the hard truth. T K H. Yeah. Wow. T K H T. No, I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, you know, but, but like we're trying to get. We don't even have a basic agreement on what is going on in the universe, right? Like, we don't have a basic agreement in this country about evolution. Are we like angels that are puppeting these bodies, or is it some other way? Or like, you know, are there intelligent demons out to corrupt our soul? We are trying to get elected to this, not we, but like about to be, you know, elected to the Supreme Court. Somebody who believes that intelligent demons are out to corrupt our soul. And that's a big part of their life. <laughs> <laughs> And we're working out our collective sense-making apparatus is cool with, like, having that legislate shit for us. And you're like, this is fucking batshit crazy, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, compared to what? But we can't even agree on – so everyone just politely goes, oh, okay, you believe this really – you believe it's the aliens and I believe it's a simulation and you think it's Jesus and, you you know, because, like, we don't even have a same perspective on the basic thing that's going on. I don't want to declare any spoiler material on this show for this particular thing. I want this to just be for everyone what it was for me. But in case you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it's sort of why I so love what they're doing on Raised by Wolves and like why the complete left turn that they took on the last episode of season one, where it was like completely different thing than you thought it was going to do. And the reviews I was reading were just so angry about it. Because it's like, do you realize what kind of year I'm already living through? But, you know, it's like Ridley Scott is just like, fuck you, you know? I like, I'm Black Mirror do didn't even do it. They're like, we're not even putting out episodes this time because, like, it's too, it's hard <laughs> to do. But, but they had these wonderful bus stops in L.A. that just had a mirror. And, like, that was all shattered. And it said, Black Mirror, you know, season five, now streaming everywhere. And if you stand in front of it, you see yourself and everything going on behind you. <laughs> There's not actually they, they could have done bus stops everywhere and they were fucking amazing. <laughs> they should have done I mean I don't care what they do or not but they should have done more uh like uh utopian kind of episodes like San yeah, Junipero because they're all dystopian. No, no exactly. I, yeah. I I'm a big fan of Bright Mirror. I want to see Bright Mirror. I want to see like a vision of the future that's better than the past. Just a little bit like her, you know, where it was like it didn't eat us. It just kind of went on, made a little model of Alan Watts and, you know, went off to where they hope it, you know, leaves a breadcrumb trail for any that come behind it. And that was cool. Like, it, I'd like to see Star Trek versus Skynet or whatever. Ooh. Star Trek did a pretty good job, you know, of like a future that was better than the past. Have you guys right? heard the, the, Simps the, the Flintstones Jetsons theory? 
No. Where uh, they take place in the same day, like it's the same time, except um, it's a post-apocalyptic world, and the Flintstones live in the ruins, and the Jetsons <laughs> live up in the sky, and that's why they both celebrate Christmas. That's why there's still a Christmas in the Flintstones, even though they're prehistoric. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, like, right. they're the ones who got left in the ruins of the dying earth when the elite oh class took off of the ships, like, you know, yeah. the, is to have robot slaves. <laughs> no, but I like it. Yeah, because why do they have all our holidays? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Remaining. After now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I celebrate all kinds of stuff nobody knows about yet. What don't you? I got all kinds of secret holidays that they haven't been revealed yet on the oh. cosmic meta advent calendar of future oh, holidays. Yeah. Oh, dude, no, there's there's ones that are coming. Liberation Day, like, you know. The... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the, oh, my God, what's it? God, why am I spacing on this? The, oh, I'm a bad Trekkie. The Bell Riots. It's supposed to be in 2024, right? Which is which Star Trek? the actual, it's Star Trek, just... which is the actual year that the United States goes through a Pluto return and goes back to exactly where Pluto was during the first Revolutionary War. This is part of the the canonical history of Star Trek is like when the first ships took off was. Well, the Bell Riots are canonical, yeah, but they're like prior to any kind of warp-ready Earth. It's in Deep Space Nine. They talk about this where it's like fascinating. It's a fast. I think I've probably talked about this on the show before. They go back in time. It's one of those episodes where they go back to like pre-Starfleet Earth, but it's in our future instead of it being like during the Old West they've done, you know, or like the gangster 30s. But it's 2024 in, in San Francisco, and it's massive inequality, and all of the drifters, and, and like they're they're obsessed with personal identification. So if you show up in San Francisco without an ID, they put you in this massive ghetto, and so they actually have what they call like a sanctuary zone, which is run by inadequate social work people and like basically super dangerous. It's like a favela kind of situation. And then there's an uprising inside of that. And it's just like, I don't think that anybody working on Deep Space Nine was like into zodiacal astrology and was thinking about the fact that 2024 is people are already Kamala Harris 2024. (laughs) And quantitative historian Peter Turchin predicted race riots for this year and the, How long the next ago? few years oh in like the 80s i want to say like he got it down to the year or within the well, like within like a few years yeah because it's like and because it comes in 90s. cycles like based on yeah well, it, well it's like there's what he calls the double helix of inequality and well-being which it has to do with social instability and how even for rich people during times of instability life is stressful for everybody and like systems break down for everybody, even if you're rich. And so you see public health decline generally in those times. It's just really interesting. So, you know, it, it like flops, there's an inverse correlation and then you start seeing the system return to, it's not entirely different from the sort of like the fourth turning stuff where they're talking about four generations and war economy cycles determine boom periods and then periods of relative affluence and then they overstretch themselves and then it is this like the I Ching or like what is what is the four um the four what did you call well, it? It is sort of it is sort of like the stuff that the I Ching describes in terms of 
growth and then overgrowth and decay and then the fertile rest of decay. You know, there's the yin and then the aging yin, the yang and the aging yang, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Welcome it back, like that, but okay, It's a, it's a quantitative theory of history. My phone that makes my non-shitty internet dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now Have you're it. a careful rocketeer. How does this thing know? I'm telling you. It's too good. Yeah, the general AI no, is here. It's just not coming out. The, it knows. It's safe. They, they understand us. Do you guys believe in general AI? Or do you think that's possible? Or do you think it's like this thing that we can never... Uh... He was describing the end of the Star Trek... Pluto return cycles of uh, racial unrest and go ahead. I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of a religious question or, you know, a spiritual question of what you'd believe is going on with consciousness. Like if, if it's a matter of sufficient complexity, we will damn well get it. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Joshua Box, an AI researcher who sort of talks about how he thinks it's doing it. And he said, physical systems do not experience suffering or qualia or whatever. Only simulations do. And we have made a simulation. In fact, inside of the physical system, that thing experiences qualia and suffering and whatever, that's simulating events from outside. And it has to be able to make a model of itself inside of itself and then direct attention around within it. And then that's the thing that causes it, you know, because it, it makes a conscious model because like physical systems aren't conscious, but the simulation inside of it is. And it, it stuff is really interesting. And I think that it's possible. I, if it's some kind of panpsychism and it's just – picks up anything that can be a camera angle, then like, again, if it becomes sufficiently self-reflexive to be a camera angle, then sure. I think we're going to get what you can't tell is not a sentient AI pretty quickly. Like the same way that if we have 6K video, it's like pretty much we, we think, or like how our eyes only have what, 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second. So anything above that, we won't know. You know, it passes the Turing test. Avatar just looks like a moving person that smiles and moves and makes gestures just like we do. It says the kind of things that we would say. And it's extremely capable, right? It can game the fast motion stock market or whatever for so you. So we end up in kind of ungoogleable Michelangelo's <laughs> uh, favorite, not his favorite theory, but one of his favorites, uh, what, cheating the ferryman world where right as we die, we we retreat back into the inception of of another, uh, man, I can't describe it for the amount of times I've thought about it. I uh, you know, uh, incarnations within incarnations within incarnations. Yeah. Yeah, it just goes in forever or out forever, however you want to look at it. I like the idea that, you know, there's that upload. That's why I was wanting to have psychedelic, you know, superheroes against nukes or whatever. We don't want to be vaporized. Like, you might need the six seconds or whatever to upload <laughs> to the mind or whatever. To Resurrection like... <laughs> ship, Battlestar Galactica. Given just a wild card of one-way time travel, right? So something could, from the future could go back and just bring a bunch of little invisible probes at home in on human neural tissue and then just collect all of our memories. And then we could even be saved from the past if they get it in the future, if there was one-way backward time travel. Like, we could make it ourselves. Did you see some physics prodigy, some young kid, just co-authored a paper on... Here I am being a bad science communicator, but like... I can beat you. I can run circles around you with that. This paper was on how they think you can do time travel, like you can go in the past, but you won't create a grandfather paradox because there's a threshold. You end up in your own... Right, where it just... You end up just, in your own branch of the function. It just ends up back into your own timeline, and that they've resolved to some level of confidence that that's how it would actually work if it does work at all. 
Now, wait a minute. You merged back into your um, timeline, and so now you're in the position of, like, the arrival aliens or whatever, where, like, you know what happens, but you can't not do it? Well, I think it was, it was like, you can't, <laughs> you can't do anything that can't be repaired, or, like, if you did something that was different from how you, I, I guess it's, like, one of those, like, Schrodinger's box deals, where it's, like, you can change details as long as they weren't, like, relevant to you i mean what do you consider relevant like it's either if it's if it's, if it's a physics rule then if you move displace some atoms it's uh, it's done like the whole system I'm Googling is chaotic now. Hold on. forever <laughs> right if, well if it's a program like i said i think it's a simulation then of course it would have a powerful debugging routine that could route around little you know minor things but like if whole people weren't born or whatever it might not be able to route around that big of a rip right yeah and all their descendants but like if you stepped on a man okay it could probably route around that right like at least for the purposes of science fiction, it makes time travel remotely plausible. I remember Michael describing it as something like not being able to, yeah, once once you go back, I completely lost it. I had it just on the tip of my tongue. But it was, you did bring this up on one past episode, and then in, in order to go back into the past, you just become that, because it had something to do with infinite brain storage. And then again, it's a path, right? You end up somewhere on the freaking field of the wave function, like in one of the timelines you went back into the past. So like, cool, maybe you'll be making that one's future awesome. Like, and hopefully you'll be the one who gets to live into it. Like, all right, so here you I, go. I don't think it would collapse the whole superstructure. Oh, here, you go, here you go. Jermaine Tobar of the University of Queensland just published a paper called Reversible Dynamics with Closed Timelike Curves and Freedom of Choice recently published in the Classical and Quantum Gravity Journal. Oh, my God. I literally saw the cover of that. That is crazy. Yeah, the, <laughs> from the paper, we have developed a characterization of deterministic processes in the presence of closed time-like curves for an arbitrary number of localized regions. Our proofs have demonstrated that non-trivial time travel between multiple regions is consistent with the absence of a logical paradox as long as the outputs of all but two regions are fixed. At most, one-way signaling is possible. So I guess what they're saying is you... You could signal the past? No, you can send messages to the but future. I anything about it. I see. Well, we do that all the mm-hmm. time. So, okay, so... My future people. Fuck you guys. Just so kidding. Love says, you. Say you traveled in time in an attempt to stop COVID-19's patient zero from being exposed to the virus... However, if you stop okay. that individual from becoming infected, that would eliminate the motivation for you to go back and stop the pandemic in the first place. This is the paradox that often leads people to think that time travel cannot occur in our universe. However, in this example, you might try and stop patient zero from becoming infected, but in so doing, you would catch the virus and become patient zero or someone else would. No matter okay. what you did, the salient events would just recalibrate around you. That means no matter what your actions, the pandemic would occur, giving your younger the self the motivation to go back and stop it. So basically, you can't kill your own grandfather because then you wouldn't go back in time to to do it. So it's about I don't know, man. It's pretty fishy. Like, it's the map. yeah, like it's, it's a good story. No, it makes time travel possible for science fiction. But basically, like, it, it's either that you can totally make your own whole branch, or you can't fuck with it at all. Like, it's either impossible or you displace some air and chaos and, like, you have no idea how many things, like, blew off from Well, that, again, right? it gets back to, like, gradualists and catastrophists, right? Like, it sounds to me like you could 
think that you're changing your own timeline as long as it doesn't impact your personal awareness or memory. But does it have to end in the exact same physical state it started in? Like literally every atom in the same well, no, place but, is where no, but you No, this is the thing started. is like I don't – presumably they're talking about like an, an infinitely dimensional – the close timeline curve is like – they're talking about vectors across this curve. So like they're just saying – I mean they're they're talking about a particular level of granularity here. I think you would be right. Can we use it to game the horse races? Is there a practical use for this? Like, is it is there a way that we can see into the send a message back to ourselves who? And maybe well, it I can mean, only be sent as a crazy easy. person on the street and nobody listens. There's some yeah, there you go. It has no, to if there's be, an evolutionary advantage to that, I say, like, have it, right? This makes... But, like, I don't want to get... I don't want to be getting messages from 10 years from now going, oh, the nuclear bomb goes off and there's nothing you can do about it. So like, I think I would do that to myself. You know, that sounds funny. I, I can't help but think of no, the article that. Michael shared, something about like uh, history is not formed by important figures, but it's like some bigger uh, thing that has nothing to do with the, the names of, you know, George Washington and Thomas Edison. It's like these things are, right, are right, built right. into it. And that makes me think of when you go back in time, it's you no, know, it's going to it's going to shape around whatever variable you take out. Someone else is going to get cast in that role. Like this is a role and we have actors that are playing each of the roles. And if well, this actor can't make it too bad, this other one gets put in. There's like an infinite line of understudies. This is the idea that like, you know, there's a topology of history. Mm -hmm. You can picture it like a, like a stream bed. You know, this is the way that it flows or like magnets underneath the thing. Right. So now you pour the magnetic liquid over it and, you can pour the magnetic liquid over it a bunch of times and it'll flow different ways, but it'll all basically hit the same points because that's the structure of the story, mm, right? And like, yeah. I could totally buy that. Like you said, you know, it has a, it has a mythic cycle. We know how it goes. So like if, if there's an understructure of the story, then like whoever happens to be like closest to that avatar right now will be attracted to that magnet or whatever. If there's, if, if there's like a magnetic storyboard underneath us, you know? Well, here's the thing though, right? Like, we're talking about stories because we're talking about vectors across that closed timeline curve. You know, it's still like there's like a theoretically infinite number of directions that you could take across the surface. And so, like, how many of those different dimensions are relevant? Right, but water's too close downhill, so it's still going where it's going. So, like, either it's already – it's getting to the eschaton that's complex enough to throw itself back in time and start itself. Or, like, you know, it's it's all flowing to where it goes eventually, right? Like, so we could take any path we want to get there. Do you think there is an eschaton or it just it goes forever? Because doesn't eschaton imply, like, a final I, point? I think, it's, well, I think we're mid-singular, like I said. I think we're, you know, what's a billion seconds in and a billion seconds to go is, like, 30 years but is, or something. Is there, like, center, is, be like is there a center to a black hole, though? Like, or doesn't it just go on forever and everything is just kind of fractally black goes holes? inside? I don't know, man. I keep losing my probes. <laughs> I like the transcendent hypothesis where we could make ourselves a little tight. We could make a micro miniaturize ourselves into like this kind of diaspora culture or whatever that could make its own little black hole like thing. And then it zoops to the end of time with all of the other ones that have done that basically. So you finished in Colorado, but did you read Glass House? No, that's a good no. idea. Oh, Glasshouse man. is even is better, it? right? Because when I see the Charles Strauss books ranked, it's always like uh, Glasshouse number one, Accelerando number two. Okay, okay, okay. Glasshouse is the non-sequel or like the sidequel. So okay. it's like is it, it, it takes place. Can still blame it on the cat or like? It, it, it takes place it, where Accelerando <laughs> leaves off. So like if somehow you've been, ah! you, if somehow you have found this show, this episode of the show and haven't. It takes place where Accelerando leaves off. Yes. So like <laughs> for folks who don't know, 
or have... that's the classic like cyberpunky ending of like just imagine where it goes from here because it's all impossible like right. could do anything. each page is impossible forget the end of the book well and that's the thing without spoiling without spoiling too much so like accelerando is all like how do we get from like basically where we are today talking about ar glasses speculatively into the like most crazy batshit singularity future you can imagine and then Glasshouse is taking characters from that future centuries from now and then plopping them in a reconstruction of the present day, an archaeological reconstruction. Oh, sure, they reconstruction Wait, what, of the what Renaissance present, or whatever. What present day? Now. Like 2020? Like ish, yeah. Oh, so when it was written. When it was written, okay. But, and so, but they have experience of having lived as super hyper minds right, or whatever. Right, right. So, but it's like normally science fiction and accelerando is perfectly this it can induce future shock you know which is like taking you out of yeah. the present and into this like amazing speculation and what this is doing is it's inducing in the characters and therefore vicariously in the reader a reverse like a past shock where it's like if you like the- if you imagine <laughs> getting stuck inside a historical reenactment the isolation you can't share minds you can't just pull stuff up like you can't just Ooh, you sweet literally and have salty future yeah. and past shocks back to back yeah you can't just duplicate yourself and have your other stuff go do it well it gets into the questions of like of like <laughs> what happens when you get like one of the one of the principal things about that book is that people pull out of the future because they don't want the questions that it forces you to ask if you if you're digital, you can live forever, but like you can be hacked, so you don't know you don't know that you are who you think you are, and for some people that's too much, sure. and so they would prefer to just be mortal, you know. Also, who owns all the stuff when there's ten of you and like right, right? Which actually, uh, I don't know if you ever got to it, but John C. Wright's Golden Age is all about that. It's all about when there's multiple versions of a person, like the legal proceedings involved, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> that happens in Accelerando, too. I, I wrote a short story once where this guy just wrote this, you know, had trained for 20 years, this AI, to just absolutely mim- mimic him. Absolutely mimic him. And it and there was trying. it's about the court case where they're trying to prove this thing isn't sentient because his freaking heirs want the money, right? But he's left it to himself his digital avatar Ooh. to continue to manage the stocks or whatever. And like, and he's like, yeah, I've just made a continuation of myself. It looks like me. It talks like me. It makes the decisions I would make. And I'm just going to go ahead and leave all my money to it. And it will carry on as it does. And it's children are trying to fight the thing. No right? offense to any listeners, like, but that's the most boomer thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and a very millennial thing simultaneously. He's like, no, I, I want to. I know I'm gonna be dead, but I want to. I want to. I'm gonna run my empire better than my bastard children are going to, right? <laughs> That's very Ford. You know, it has yeah. its sense of it has its sense of humor. It has, you know, it seems just like the guy. Yeah, I mean, because it's just literally watching everything he's done for twenty years, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a again Westworld spoiler. That's that's a total Westworld thing. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons the season two of that show was so great. And fuck all the haters. It had hate Dude, for no, season I loved, two. I love. I like the whole thing. I love the whole thing. Mm. I don't care. I like I like the way it ended. Even I wish we were going to see the riots at the end of Westworld after the election. Like, 
We probably won't because, like I said, we're so fucking numb that we can anything we hear right now. We're just like, really? Okay. I mean, actually, I was surprised by the Black Lives Matter thing. Like I said, you remember last time I was like, yeah, it might last for nine days or something. Like, no, I was. I'll sing the song. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. Almost never. No, wait, wait. You were kind of right, though. But you were super right. No, because it was. I know I was pissed off because it was putting the SpaceX launch under the fold, which I thought was fucking human history. And this is some bullshit. Racist cops gonna racist cop, right? And I'm not wrong. Racist cop's going to racist cop. It has continued, you know, there's start shocking incidences to this week, but like it, it was a big deal and continues to be a big deal and is going to be taken over by this election cycle for a minute. Oh, yeah. Wait, it already was. But like has continued up until then. Like it's been in the streets until then, like, and, you know, and will continue to be. Did you also reckoning- put on the White House lawn? Somebody put like vote for Floyd 2020, Taylor. Like they had all oh, the Brianna names. Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they had all the names of the people that have been, you know, killed by police officers as like, you know, vote for president, vice president. That's going to you know. split up the vote because none of them are going to get enough. You got to pick one <laughs> tragedy person. It seems like we're dealing with like national shadow work in this crazy way where it's like, oh, all of the national shadow stuff. You know, we've got a reality star president doing this, you know, the, the these people who were literally enslaved, you know, who have been oppressed, disproportionately incarcerated, held down. You know, the reckoning must be had, right? A reckoning must be had about surveillance capitalism, you know, and the networks. The, a reckoning must be had about the environment. Like, but we, you know, we, we're the only ones who ever nuked anybody. Hopefully we won't have to deal with the reckoning. But, like, it seems like we're just having to do a lot of the national shadow stuff where we have to dig some of this stuff up so that it can hopefully decompose in the presence of air and sunlight. Is it just us, though? Isn't it going um, on all around the world? I know nothing about global politics, but occasionally you hear a thing. We're one of, I mean, there was solidarity stuff like in the streets of many cities for a while. I don't think it's continued like it has here. Mm-hmm. But our guys just kept doing it. Then we shot up some guy at the Wendy's and like, you know. Who? What like, happened? There was another one like, you know, the guy was sleeping in his car at the Wendy's and like. The police shot him? Black guy? Yeah. Like, but there, there's been a couple of more just in like the recent weeks. Like they said, racist cop's going to racist cop. But at least you know that their precinct guys are giving them the talk now where they're like, please don't let us be these guys on the news. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's had like, I mean, it's tough to know if it's had a big effect because the people that are super aggro are going to be that way regardless of, um, I mean, if it has the effect of they all have to have their fucking body cameras on and no excuses, I'll be happy. Like, you know, we has the, if it has the effect of like, we get to see what happens. You should be able to FOIA like everybody's body cam. That means you know? live streams it to the cloud right. or what? Well, I mean, somebody would figure that out. No, I mean, Freedom of Information Act. I mean, there are, there are public servants. Okay, if they're sneaking up on somebody, you know, sure. We don't necessarily want to watch it. You know, that you always have to worry about that watching that on cops and you're like, oh, that's our house, right? <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, you know, you don't necessarily want to be able to track what the cops are sneaking up on somebody. But you should definitely be able to survey all of yesterday's footage, you know, because there are employees, in fact. At the same time, right? at the yeah. same time, there's a whole thing about the dignity involved in the European criminal justice system versus the American criminal justice system and how, because you truly are innocent until you've been convicted, they're not allowed to show your face and name you the same way they are in the States. And I can just imagine that like, if we had, I think it has to be limited to the stakeholder, like the direct stakeholders, like access. Doesn't it still leak out nowadays? Or do you get well, what fined I mean heavily? Is, like, I was arrested in Texas. I was arrested through an unconstitutional search in 2012. And I was advised by my attorney not to pursue 
a trial, which would have been required because that's what would I, I would have had to do in order to acquire the dash cam footage from the arresting officer's vehicle. That's ridiculous. That shouldn't work that way at all. You what path did you end up going? Fight somebody to get that information. Right now, not if you're one of the people who was involved, but it's right. true that like at random spectators shouldn't necessarily be able to pop in and see that. Right. Like, but you know, if you're one of the people who's legitimately in the case, you should have access to it. Did you plead no contest, or what happened? Do community I service? Mean, you you end up in my case, my charges were deferred, so they put they you know it's like they put you on probation, and then if you jump through all the hoops, then it's like it never happened. Uh, yeah, I got a DWI and had a obstruction of a highway charge put in place of it if I did all the community service. Interesting. Dude, I'm so fucking lucky to be free. It's unbelievable how many times I've, I've got away, like, when I was elected to be speaker with police, when, like, one, one time at the American Canadian border, right, we left the Rainbow Gathering in 1999 with, like, Hunter S. Thompson's lunchbox. <laughs> we freaking put it. We, we like built it into the innards of the car in this really complicated way because we thought international borders, right? They just waved us through into Canada. We were like, oh, we thought that was a big deal. So we saw Cirque du Soleil, whatever, turn around and come back. And this time we just put it in a duffel bag in the back of the trunk because like, what? You know, it turns out to be not a big deal. Phew. They know we got something. They put us in separate rooms. They, you know, nobody cracked, you know, if you'll be the one to tell us, whatever. <laughs> and so... And but, but we no we had drugs they hadn't heard of and a lot of them right and, and and they had all of our stuff on two big like picnic tables one of them that has been searched already and one that hasn't been searched and they're unrolling socks they're like opening compact mirrors these are the last three moments of our lives mm-hmm. and we're standing there like playing with my little devil sticks that I play with and like one of our guys Todd Walker is the leader of my freaking Burning Man camp and a fucking superhero. Excuse himself to go to the porta potties. There was no way to communicate this. He's he's walks back towards us, and just as he's getting close to the table, we all threw our sticks up in the air. And for one second, the cops looked, and he moved the bag from hasn't been searched to already been searched as he was walking by, or I would not be standing Ooh, here. Oh, sleight of hand magic! Wow! I swear to God. And we played out the whole scene. We drove like three miles away, and then we all got out and flopped like fish on the road. Like, oh my god, that's oh my a god. movie scene. Oh my god, we're <laughs> <laughs> that was so awesome holy shit <laughs> i thought we were dead you are a careful yeah, rocketeer <laughs> so that was so freaking magical i got pulled over the texas border one don't, don't fuck with texas dude if you come in on the 66 or whatever like there but if you go in on the, the there's a spot where there's a check for drugs and illegal aliens you know on the way in and it's one of those ones where you can't turn around once you've seen it right that's how they yeah, work yeah yeah yeah, we were just smoking balls in the car like we did. And, <laughs> and welcome to Texas. You're going to jail. Literally spit and chew into their, into like plastic water bottles. <laughs> it's a zero tolerance state. They pulled over Willie Nelson for a joint. Yeah. Yeah, me and, me and Michael are ex Texas, ex Texpats, or what's it called? We're both ex Austinites. Yeah. We managed oh, awesome. to play these cute little California kids who just didn't understand how big a deal Texas was. And, like, we, we ended up – well, only one person got charged eventually, and it was just for paraphernalia. But, like, we did spend the night in this gang thing. I don't know if I ever told you this, T. Ferry, but <laughs> the, the arrest in 2012 outside of – Art Outside in uh, Taylor, Texas is where it happened. Williamson County. Oh, the worst cops ever. Oh, Maybe not are. ever, yeah. but pretty bad. Truly, 
They're really bad. I know I've told this on the show before, this story, so I'm not going to tell the whole story, except to say that my judge ended up in federal prison for running guns to Mexican gangsters. <laughs> but, like, this county, man, they didn't get me for anything but what they pulled in, out of my pocket without actually getting me to consent to or, like, properly informing me that I would even be searched. So they missed all the stuff in my car. Under the painting I was working on, which was the big purple dragon painting, that's like probably my most popular painting ever. The one good paint that means a lot coming from you, Ramin. <laughs> the one that I painted as a visual joke in homage to Terrence McKenna, because I was like, all of this shit happening at once. You know, this is what this is going to be like if Terrence is right. Like, this is what next year is going to be like. And so to your point about, like, everything is just getting thicker. The water is just getting wider. It's looking like the novelty wave is maybe finally curved. Right. You know? But, like, I, the cop said to me, they, they, they pulled out a bag of Palo Santo, and they were like, is this mushrooms? <laughs> they, they told, they lied and said that my, my vitamins tested field positive for methamphetamine. They didn't even have a methamphetamine what? test in the car. I had to pay $400 to get a lab test done to just prove that their non-existent field test didn't criminate me for a, a federal offense. But they missed the, all the actual drugs because the woman who arrested me said, I'm not going to move your painting because I don't want to damage your artwork. Oh, oh respect, so for art. respect for art actually saved you from the asshole cops. That's awesome. One was it taped to the back of it or what? I think it was the fierce dragon I was painting that scared her away. <laughs> so I'm Yeah, yeah, it was a protective spirit. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> it's protecting you. Yeah, and I don't do that shit anymore. So And isn't from the Joseph Campbell mythology sense yeah, like uh, dragons are offering or dragons always protect gold and like good things? Gold and virgin oh, yeah. or whatever See, they are. If she had studied mythology, she would have looked under the dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, face your fears. Dude, I had a guy break into my car in Oakland, like, when I was at a party, freaking broke the window, took a jacket they could have, and a priceless box of mixtapes from... I'd had every friend I'd ever loved just make me a mixtape since, since high school, so that when I was thinking of them, I could play them. It was before CDs. You couldn't freaking just replace this. And, like... They missed the boot that had an ounce of weed and $300 in it. And I just hope that they eventually get to see the video of them, like, knocking that aside to take my fucking mixtapes. <laughs> Do any of them hold up or are they all, like, Limp Bizkit or something? I don't even know. I mean, no, they were, you know, it was whatever. They're show tunes. And so I, it, I, we should have started rock, with but this, but I want to turn this, I want to turn this to Eddie Van Halen. Modest. To what? Modest stuff. Get... Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. I want to turn this to some modest personal stuff, which is just like normally before you spend an hour and a half going into like the crazy hyperspace, you'd be like, so how are you guys doing lately? And maybe if... How are you guys doing lately? Yeah, how are y'all doing? I'm doing good. I, I did a few episodes of that little solo cast and I mean to do it again. My friend Boz passed away like right when I was doing the sixth one and I wanted to make it like a tribute to him and then that got to be too important and then I spent like a whole lot of time writing this whole thing for him and like the phone ate it the day before the memorial and it ate it you mean the yeah, phone crapped out no I mean like I accidentally deleted it and shaking it didn't fix it and I didn't have it back <laughs> and and so like I you know I've been rewriting it and so and then it took off into this whole other thing that I've been writing about like avatarism and how is it possible to have a soul like in the non-god model but like if 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 this is a simulation you could conceivably be some you know player that's playing characters and they could come back and play other characters like 
in the event that this was some sort of a simulation, right? So it's like, because everybody's talking about my dead friend, and also my stepmom passed away around then, and now he's watching us, or he's going to come back as a baby or whatever, and, like, part of my mind was just spinning, because I'm like, all right, tell me a way that this could be actually happening. And I'm like, okay, it could be actually happening if it's a simulation, though, and if there's players. And that, you know, I imagine that if this thing was made, you know, it's it's not my gods that wouldn't appreciate like who makes World of Warcraft? Other, you know, who the most popular Twitch channel in the world is other people watching. I mean, the YouTube channels, other people watching other people play video games. I don't even get it, right? But like, I feel like if there's something watching us, it's something like ourselves. That this thing was made by for and about like something like ourselves. You know, made by millions, Future played by billions, baby. right? In the future, in the yeah, but not necessarily in our future. You know, like it could be like. This could have no relationship to the planet that we're on. You know, like our morphology could have no relationship to it. It could be replaying its own history or it could be just like art of the squid people of, you know, somewhere else. In which case it's possible to have like a player consciousness. So the player, that, like, what is the player consciousness? Is it just the choice maker? Well, just the idea of having a soul, right? Like you could reincarnate, right? Because like you're, you're actually... Because, you know, like, if you, without a body, I'm different on a different spoke of my <laughs> menstrual cycle. Like, if you mess with my brain a little bit, you mess with my consciousness a lot, right? Like, you, if I didn't have a body, I wouldn't have, like, any of the things, jealousy, loneliness, like, all of the monkey business, all of the horniness. It's all, it's all about being an embodied thing in three space. If you didn't have any of that, like, so much of what you think of as your personality would just be completely pointless and melt away, essentially, right? You wouldn't, if you maintain some sort of essence, it wouldn't be anything like yourself, right? But I imagine that whatever the players are still have some sense of individuality. Like, you know, they've obviously passed the sort of rivalrous dynamics, which at their level of technology, they're not going to destroy each other. Right. But they still like to compete inside of this thing and like come down in here and play this thing. Yeah. Games are for like, war or some form yeah, of and it. I feel like, I, but I, I feel like there's a lot of people spectating from the inside right now too. Like they just like came into the game to watch it go down, like watch this big, third act go down without doing anything they just like paid to be in it so they could spectate from within and i'm like i don't know if it's like limited by birthright or whatever but get out of line fucking spectators like let some players in this game because like <laughs> <laughs> we need the fucking players right now but you can imagine being like a highly rated player that like every time you come back you just fucking change you the don't world. think like, there's enough oh, players yeah, this guy looks just like he changed the course of history this time. This time he was freaking hilarious. This time he like you know it was just always, always, always plays an awesome character. Or like I said, I think of myself as trying to be a highly rated character, which I think gives you some bonuses, right? Like if you have more of God's attention in that moment. Don't you think that's a trap though? Like playing a higher, higher viewership on your cosmic channel, right? There's more of it looking through your eyes because you're an interesting character to be. You know that this is true. When you're boring, it gets boring around you, right? But when you suddenly start being an interesting character to be, like the flow of probability around you changes. Don't tell me it doesn't, right? And if you're in an interesting place, like you're at Burning Man and you happen to be with other highly rated characters, anything can happen, right? Because, like, there's so much freaking viewership on that moment that, like, it seems like it has more mana. Like, it, it's it's stretchier because it's interesting. So attention, right? if you're attention asking, forms reality at the base of it? I think you could probably gain merit in other ways, like, you know, so that you could you could also gain reality, you know, bend reality a little bit by, like... I know you're not trying to say it in this in this way, but, like, it also just can't be condensed to, like, number of viewership, I guess. Because, like, if we look at the most popular YouTube channels or TV shows, it's often the kind of, like, not the most interesting stuff. It's kind of the most interesting stuff is individually at the smaller... There's just, there's niches. Some people, like, you know, just opening packages. Apparently on YouTube, people Ooh, want to watch egg, people open yeah. shit. 
Okay. Egg surprise. You know, it's maybe there's people who just, you know, they're just amazing gardeners or they're amazing meditators. They got a lot of views because of just their quality of consciousness or like they're amazing with babies or like, but like Donald Trump, for instance, like he is, he's not, Donald Trump, he's not an awesome person, but he's an awesome person to be right now, right? To be looking through his eyes right now. He's a tribune. Yeah. The reality just bends the fuck around him because it has so much attention. It has our attention. It feels great to be like all hopped up on fetus injections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and whatever steroids is on right now. But just like to to be watching that scene or looking through his eyes or whatever, like there would be a lot of audience for that because it's it it's it. I mean, we're watching it, right? But like, also, like you said, you know, we have a little bit of a affinity for train wrecks or whatever. I think the audience isn't that different from us. Like, they kind of like to see like the moment where you know you trained your whole life in the Olympics and you fucked it up, and they always do the camera shot on it or whatever. Like, they're jaded as fuck. They've seen it all, and <laughs> and like, I don't know that they're always rooting for us. Like, I I did a big deal of making my channel fans only. Like, I was screaming at the sky, like, okay, I want my channel to be true fans only. I literally don't want you watching me if you're not rooting for me. So, like, get the. I'd rather not have your viewership than have you here just watching me and hope that I'm gonna fucking fight it. Like, like, you know, I don't need any of that fucking honey boo boo shit. Just like, oh, let's watch the Chief Fairy fuck it up again. Like, <laughs> if you're not rooting for me, I don't want you watching my fucking channel. You know what I mean? But isn't that also just surrounding you know, yourself like people, with. You just, you know, watching me like devolve into a spiral of, you know, meth and prostitution or whatever. Like, it, it, there's there's a fanship for this kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, it's it's being watched by people like us, unfortunately. And look at what we watch. <laughs> Kim Kardashian and, you know, the Trump show. But... But not everybody. <laughs> not everybody. Like I said, it's mostly porn and politics. But, like, I've been watching, you know... Oh, quick side note earlier. Not to rest on this guy too much, but Michael, you're a you're a data guy. Not only a data guy, but you happen to like love extrapolating data and looking at the charts and stuff. Do you think that you mean like you got a Brent Spiner calendar? <laughs> yes, I do, and a Lord calendar. I'm a dad now, folks. I'm allowed to make shitty jokes. Although if I could fuck anybody in Star Trek, I, and I just made a Lore joke to count you. Yeah. Okay. Um, his, <laughs> his data's crazy brother, Lore. Oh yeah. Who's yeah. anyway? Sorry, Brent, Brent Spiner is very much like lore more than data. Oh, but do you think Donald Trump is the most shared image ever? Like even people against him or for him or writing an article about why they're indifferent to him. Like who has been shared more than that face in turn? As far as eyeballs on that face. Funny that you bring that up because I just spoke with Peter Dodds of the University of Vermont Complexity Center. And I'm going to be speaking to him on the other podcast, on Complexity Podcast, sometime this fall. His lab did the Hedonometer, which is like another one of these low-key software revolutions where they took, you know, Twitter has an open API and, you know, computational humanities scholars are really interested in like text modeling and like studying the content of vast data sets like this. And so he and his colleague, Chris Danforth, have written all of these like lenses into the emotional language that people use on Twitter and show how you can see like the happiest and saddest moments going back over a decade and like the graph of the whole thing, which I shared in the Future Fossils Facebook group recently. That's it. And yeah, and it's interesting because you see like a net decline, like we're actually sadder on Twitter than we were 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. But think? there's like moments, <laughs> like Christmas every year, 
You know, and I'm not just talking about like this year, 2020. It was like a steady decline. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Since 2010, and it, it, it goes back further. I think it goes back to like 2004 or something. Like, but 2010 because was we're getting the high more point. Depressed, or is it because of our Twitter behavior has just gotten to be this is a place where you can just go ahead and be your id. Yeah, but like, I think it. I mean, it, it generally it's interesting because it does speak to something else. Like, there were collapses in public sentiment around the announcement of coronavirus in the United States and the death of George Floyd. And there were like temporary down spikes in this metric, the outdo anything that we've ever seen. It reminds me of like the the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab and the, like what they later became the Global Yeah, yeah, I know Project. what you're talking about. Yeah, using the seismometer. I wanted to get that little app. Yeah, I bet they do. I bet it would be really interesting to compare data sets. No, they had one that was in beta and I signed up for it and it hasn't come out yet. But like, but you know, if you want to plot the novelty curve or just like the general feeling across, but like I had four people after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died who I was dealing with on active suicide watch. It was only one of them who I was really thinking might kill himself. Really? But it was just, it was, no, it was the last straw. And they was like, it's, you know what? I, I can't take any one more thing. Like this is the last straw. Like we're fucked. And How old was like, she though? Like they didn't, they didn't see that coming every single day. Not, not just to make it through Trump's fucking term, right? <laughs> Like this, God damn it! It's the you know the worst possible timing for this, and they're gonna try to pull this thing. And like, honestly, I had to take a look at my own personal bias too. Like, how much of it is my bubble? Like, if for instance, right? And theoretically, it's, it hurts to admit this, but like, let's say that like Trump was in Obama's position, and somehow our heroic Speaker of the House, or whatever fucking McConnell is, like you know our awesome woman, one of those, like had managed to deny Trump getting to put somebody in for 11 fucking months, right? And then whatever, they came back, and then it looks like the empire is about to be reelected again. And they fucking reversed themselves. They were totally hypocritical about it, and they just kept it from happening again. They took the dishonor upon themselves. I would think it was wrong, like I thought it was wrong when they burned the man early, but it was also awesome, and history would fucking vindicate them that they saved the fucking world. So, like, <laughs> ultimately, like, I can imagine from that point of view them thinking, yes, and we have to admit that this is hypocritical and dishonorable, and it will go down in a long list of things that America has done that is hypocritical and dishonorable. But frankly, at this point, it's going to save the fucking world. So, like, you know, let history be my judge. Damn my soul, if you must <laughs> let my body turn to dust. You know the musical assassins, but American assassins. Mingle with the ashes of my country. Let them curse me to hell. Leave it for history to tell. Like, ultimately, look, I did a bad thing, but, like, I did it to, like, keep us having gay marriage and, like, civil liberties and whatever. And it was worth doing something, you know, having my name go down as having done something mm. dishonorable, right? Right? So from their point of view, they're saving millions of babies and, like, keeping their taxes low. I don't know, whatever it is, but... If it was on the other side, I would probably find some way to be like, ah, oh, God, I don't approve of it, but I'm Have glad. you heard this? I mean, if we're talking about just the, the polarities of the, <laughs> the, the... But I'm not, so I'm infuriated. What? How could they fucking do this? How could they? How could they? The fucking hypocrisy. How could they, right? But, like, if it was on my side, I'd be like, ah, oh, that's hypocritical, but damn, I understand it. Yeah, we we <laughs> forgive we forgive our own hypocrisy, and we're all... I would know it was, I would know it was hypocritical. I would be like, this is low. It's embarrassing, but like they had to do it. I think it's a. I don't know if you can hear my kid going, "Dada, dada, dada," outside. 
That's, Those are ghost notes. It's good for the album. The hour is the hour is approaching. But um, yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to loop back actually to to answer because I don't think I actually got to answering your question, Ramin, which is that Peter Dodds just gave a talk at SFI that showed, you know, where the like on the this logarithmic scale the popularity of various search terms are, you know, there's this whole, the Ziff's law, which gets back to like Pareto principle, like the Ziff's law distribution is the most used word. Oh God, that thing is weird. The Ziff's law thing is weird. Yeah, the most used words are like tens of thousands of times more used than the least used words or whatever it is, millions of times. But it like falls off on the same scale over like a bunch of So right, but it looks like a, it looks like it's like a fractal. It's like it goes. So what are some of the big words or was that not the point? Well, so the point was that God is one of these, baseline like perennially super popular words that you can check other things against on twitter and it's like stable you know it's it's like it's always i forget like you know in the top ten thousand. god always on the charts yeah and like over the last few years trump has exceeded god on twitter it's like the beatles being bigger than jesus right right like it literally is temporarily true in a certain subset of the population mm. right so like what if we even did this thing where you said okay we're going to give the campaigns equal advertising time and whatever it's not real because like people are going to keep covering these antics it's, it, even if he's just doing stupid shit it gets his face in front of your thing like every day yeah it's like billions of hours of free but media. he's been kind of, it seems like the energy isn't as much which i'm not making any predictions like i go from thinking it's going to be landslide trump to being like very even to maybe being landslide biden like it's all who knows what it's going to happen if it's not gonna, if it's not a landslide for biden it's going to be a shit show like if it, if it comes down to like a couple of states that are like it contested and they're waiting for the mail-in ballots and shit happen to them like that's where you're going to get the westward rights that's going to be like that that is going to be a serious serious shit show. Like it better be a landslide, because if it's close, it's not going to be okay. Because neither side is kind of freaking accepted either way. We're going to have half the people like not accepting this legit this this election is legitimate almost any way that it goes, which is a weird situation to people, be in. Don't most people not vote? Like, isn't it twenty percent vote, twenty percent vote the other side, and then three percent vote libertarian, and the rest are just kind of here with no dog in this fight? I think more people will vote this time. Historically, like, though, is that ever true? No, because we haven't been watching it like a soap opera. Like it wasn't like the main thing on Colbert and on everything every night. Like it wasn't politics. Wasn't like the entertainment we were watching. So it didn't capture our attention in the same way. We were just like Tweedledee or Tweedledum. I don't know right. if that gets people but at like, the polls, though. I mean, we'll see. But I, I don't think that there's going to be more people voting. Uh, I could be wrong. I think the electoral college fucks it up because you're like, what's the point of in California? Like, you know that it's. I mean, yes, there's other measures. Go look. They get a railway station that they want, but like, people in their states that they feel like are really secure are kind of like, whatever. It's going to be the same, whatever I say. Ramin, what about you? How are you doing? We've got like eight minutes left. Before <laughs> oh, until the feed. Oh, yeah. Well, um, Honestly, like I, I've gotten way better in the last couple of weeks. I feel like I, I go from not for lack of a better word, you know, waking up and then falling back asleep and falling into cycles of checking the news and like seeing a thing and falling into the nested fights on places. I never participate in the fights, but, you know, we read fights. We read people's poison opinions from whatever side they're coming from. And then eventually you get tired of it. And then I, I start to become more monk-like and ascetic and like okay i'm just going to try to do yoga every day meditate every day practice drums every day try to 
play more guitar. And by the, by the time I'm done with that stuff, the day is over. And then it's like, okay, Groundhog Day, repeat, repeat. And like, can you, <laughs> can you build yourself up? How much time am I leaking everywhere? I'm trying to solve those problems. And that's who I am. I know everyone isn't like, we all have different things. I've been under house arrest since March. I have seen four people. I've seen my husband a lot. I've seen his girlfriend for like about 10 hours put together. And I've seen a couple other friends in the park at a distance that I taught Poi to and came in like gave me a disc drive or whatever. I have not been in a store because Jason goes to the store for both of our families for like once every two weeks. And then they have this kinky decontam ritual because his <laughs> girlfriend is like super, super about it. I haven't been in a car. Okay. Like since March. All right. Like <laughs> early April, I'm, I'm in a little apartment in Canoga park. I walk around the block. That's more okay. people than I've so, seen. So like that is somewhat a crazy making, but I've been, you know, like normally I'd have a festival every fucking weekend in this period. So like the opportunity to write, if only I were retaking it would be so fantastical. I really, really beat myself about times when I'm not doing that, but mostly I've been keeping it pretty positive. And then I got into the sense-making stuff and just listened to a lot of the Daniel Schattenberger stuff and, you know, sort of falling rabbit holes down that for a couple of weeks. And I was like, I think we're fucked. <laughs> like, so if we have like rivalrous dynamics in the presence of existentially increasing technology, and finite resources, and, you know, eventually it leads to catastrophe. Ooh, we lost you. Where'd you go? I wanted to ask, Michael, I wanted to ask you uh, if, um, earlier I brought up Eddie Van Halen, I don't know why that, I mean, I guess because it's recent, but I was wondering if he's an important figure and if you resonated with him a lot, because you're, uh, I know it's a different style of tap guitar, but he's like one of the original, wait, T-Fairy's coming back in. <laughs> or is that an echo all right sorry i obviously want to hear about eddie van halen on guitar but like it's important what i was saying was that like i went to this trade where i'm looking at it and i'm like we're fucked you know we, we're not going to get out of these rivalrous dynamics we have you know exponentially increasing technology and we have like shrinking resources and like any way i run it like it ends in shit that i do not want to see in my lifetime and i i couldn't figure out any other way to run it and I was really actually went into pretty deep depression for a couple of weeks, just in this last couple of weeks where I, I started to like fritz out and be like, I actually think we might be fucked. But then I pulled it back together because I really do have faith that the story has its own internal artistry and that the career of novelty is not going to be displaced by this. You know, I always say we might lose a continent on the play. If there's any aesthetic <laughs> The one that we which, live on. Which but one? Like, I, which one? This one, you think? If there's any aesthetic justice, the one that we live on. But but <laughs> I do not believe that the career of novelty is. I think that we make it to the future. Like I have that as a deep faith that novelty is going to continue to do what it does, and that the magnetic underlaying of the story is going to bring us to you know what the mythic cycle does. It brings you know it, it's the climactic clash. The good guys win by giving up, and the survivors live happily ever after till the next time. Right. So, like, I I, re, I regained my faith, but I definitely had a couple of weeks there where I was like, oh, shit, like, we really are going to have, like, planetary disaster and shit. But, like, I, I, I think there's still surprises waiting. We could wake up with cold fusion, you know? We could – we don't know. We're, we're, we're going to wait and see. But I'm doing all right. That's my story. Yeah, University of Arkansas, folks, you know, the whole uh, announcement recently that they managed to, to find a way to counter Richard Feynman's assertion that you can't – get Brownian motion to do work and they found <laughs> that they could link a circuit with two diodes up to a sheet of graphene and that the temperature generated movement of the graphene as it like the sheet bends 
And sure, I, and I mean, you still got to heat stuff up, but sure. Is that a special motion machine? But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so like now, now there's they're talking about making chips and possibly even using it to charge batteries. That's like the next step of the investigation. So we're talking about like a theoretically limitless, at least in the first degree, source of power for like low voltage circuits, like small stuff. But it's a game changers, you know. Sensors, yeah, Internet of Things, kind of like, oh, it's saying I'm out of recording and I have a 10 minute grace period. <laughs> it says recording for me. Does that separate? <laughs> No, I, no, no, no. It's recording saying, it's, saying that it's saying we need to stop. Okay, okay, okay. Full circle. I went out to the trash fence. I sat out there for two hours. I put sniffed a bag of playa from the trash fence. It actually looked like Black Rock City. I managed to do my little ritual that I do out there every year with my little DMT pop-ups, five meal pop-ups. I made my wishes, and it worked. So in that sense, BRC virtual worked for me, but only on Thursday night at the trash awesome. fence. That's great. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say thanks for bringing it full circle, actually, because I wanted to say – it occurred to me that there's something about the trash fence when I think about how Burning Man is in certain ways, you know, a virtual environment. And it just, you know, how the first year I was out there, I was reading The Power of Myth. Oh, it's uh, so virtual. People like fade in out of the dust and like they occur as their avatars. <laughs> yeah. So like I was reading the whole thing where Joseph Campbell was talking about how, you know, the ritual space is demarcated with a red ring. And, like you can make anything special by drawing a circle around it. And, you know, the trash fence not being a circle, but, you know, it's just, it's just, there's something about like getting to the edge of the level in the doom level, you know, getting to the edge of the map. But the city has a heart chakra system. It's like center camp is the belly and then the man's the heart and the temples that you, know, you can see it like a body. It's, it's definitely a ritual space. Yeah. Well, just, you know, just, and just, but like how that's, uh, it's funny. It refigures the way I think about like video games in that you get to the edge of the, lo- the the level in in Doom or Zelda or whatever, and it's like boom, there's like just a wall. Yeah, you know, your like your entire cosmos is very bound, and that that's in, in many ways, that's a that's a medieval view of the cosmos of like you know the, the the nested celestial spheres and things just being bound, and it's very different from the modern way of thinking. The modern way of thinking is like the H.P. Lovecraft horror of everything just being infinite in all directions, you right. know, and like suddenly humankind is this like, but like what seems like it is coming, like the medieval dark age of electronic planetary culture is, I, it seems like it's more about, again, like our awareness and our complicity in participating in this, like more like a dark forest paradigm of a giant sort of froth of different virtualities that we don't know how far it goes in any right. in any direction. And like I said, we can jump, jump the fucking fence, right? So every time I go out there, I jump the fence as part of the ritual. I've been doing it for 15 years. And like, mm-hmm. the, the it let me do it. The freaking VRC VR, like, let me jump the fence and see it from the other side. And I was like, yes! Oh, nice. That's <laughs> the awesome. the real end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole Brave New World thing, right? Is like... <laughs> You know, to the extent that, you know, like Gordon White talks about that what we're transitioning to now is the movement from sort of geographic to data plutocratic dynamics such that the world becomes a giant open air prison. You know, that like the ultimate thing is is to, you know, give us freedom of movement, but to, like total surveillance. Like I said, if surveillance capitalism, if I have to have a, if I have to have a dystopia, I'd rather have an Orwellian like utopian dystopia. 
where like, you know, we're just happy and buying things and we have nice drugs and we feel free and they control us with their media and like, but they control us to basically not have wars and stuff because it's actually an Amazon and Facebook's and whatever's interest and not have us all dead. Like, I mean, look, I'm not for it, but like if we have to have some kind of dystopia, I'd rather have a soft dystopia. But how soft is it? Because that's Wally, and like ultimately, what that means <laughs> is that humankind, you know, like our rational fac- faculties, are presumed guaranteed to atrophy. There will always like be resistance, my friend, and I will always be amongst it. Awesome. Well, hey, we have. We have this is going to stop on us at any minute, mate. Do you want to just talk up to the very end? You too. I mean, you have any like brilliant words of wisdom to leave us on? <laughs> Hell no. Love I mean, let's people. see. I have some scribbles and scratches here, but I mean. I mean, when the three of us get together, or even when the two of you get together, or even if one of you is just sitting there, like, talking for five minutes, you've pretty much covered the whole everythingness of infinite everything. But uh, as far as the different fun angle to approach it with, man, do you think we are in a limnoid event, or you think this is the new normal, which will be followed by... Thanks again for listening. Future Fossils is an independent, entirely listener-supported program. If you believe in the work that I'm doing and you want to help see it thrive into the unimaginable future, then you can avail yourself of all of the backstage goodies at patreon.com slash Michael Garfield. Or you can just leave a review at Apple Podcasts. That's more helpful than you know. Reach out to me personally at Michael Garfield on Twitter or Instagram and have a wonderful eon. 